Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. Thank you for joining me. I am back after a few weeks of much needed rest and relaxation after the Super Bowl. Uh, it was kind of unplanned. I don't always know when I'm going to need a mental break, but uh, after the Super Bowl worked out quite well. And um, luckily, this was the week I was planning to have someone on to kick back into the off season. I had already planned it out and here we are and everything is moving. I couldn't have planned it better if I had, you know, if I had 2020 vision into the future, I couldn't have planned it better than to have not only the news cycle that we have this week, but also the guest that we have this week. He is a favorite of the Almost Shameless podcast. You know him, you know him from his podcast you know him from my podcast. We are podcast buddies. This is a back and forth relationship. It's Mike debate from locked on Patriots. He is the guy. He's the guy I talk to about Patriots. And it is a huge honor for you, Mike, that I trust you with Patriots. You know that it is absolutely, <laughs> it is a huge deal. So welcome back onto almost shameless. You're my favorite to talk Pats with. And um, I'm really glad you're joining me this week. Oh, well, Tanya, coming from one of the favorite guests of Locked On Patriots, um, that really means an awful lot to me. I definitely take that as a badge of honor, knowing that you trust entrust me with all of your Patriots uh, information, or most of it anyway, and uh, I do appreciate that. It's always my honor, always my privilege to be here, and this is one I've been looking forward to for a while. Always do. Always, always get a sense of happiness when you ask me to be on Almost Shameless. Me too. It honestly makes my job so much easier when we get to chat. Like I have, you know, I have to do so much less prep because, you know, when you have a guest <laughs> on, you're able to chat back and forth or whatever, but it's also like, oh, this is going to be easy. This is going to be breezy. This is going to be 30 minutes of my life that just flies by. And like for anybody who does podcasts or really does anything like this, like mm -hmm. a creative medium writing, whatever else where you like prep for, and you know, it's coming, it sometimes mm -hmm. can be like, damn, I don't want to do this. I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going to go on. And because I don't have a co-host and you know, the feeling like you don't have a, a designated co-host. So your guests are a big deal and it right. makes life so much breezier, which is great because we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we do. Some breaking news that we're going to hit on. Uh, we have the emerging news of uh, Russell Wilson being uh, sent off in a massive, massive, really unprecedented trade. Um, mm -hmm. He is now a Denver Bronco. And uh, then, of course, we're going to get into the state of the Patriots, just an offseason sort of overlook. This is stuff Mike's talked a lot about already on Locked On, mm -hmm. but we're going to be hitting on it for the first time on Almost Shameless in the offseason. So we want to kind of hit on where the coaches are at, where the defense is at, like, you know, where, right. where they are settled into the AFC. And a lot of that conversation has to be preceded by the movement that has happened in the last 48 hours. First mm -hmm. off, Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos. Now this is a trade, like I said, that we really haven't seen. I think that we've forgotten in all the hustle and bustle of quarterback movement with Matt Stafford ending up with the Rams and winning a Super Bowl. And then the year prior, we have Tom Brady, of course, ending up with the Buccaneers and going on to win a Super Bowl. But, you know, Tom Brady had been in the same place for 20 years. This was a guy sort of trying to live out his twilight dream elsewhere. Um, Matt Stafford had been floundering in Detroit, underutilized, and they, that was just going nowhere for them. Um, it was a great trade for both sides, I think. But, mm -hmm. you know, like nothing 
quite like seeing a quarterback of Russell Wilson's stature in his prime, the most successful, most beloved player for that franchise, you know, maybe not beloved by his teammates all the time, but for Mm. fans, there's no one there's the Seahawks have never had a player like Russell Wilson. He is the face of that team to trade him away is a big deal. So Mm. I would like to ask you, who do you think in this situation, because we know it's done. It's it's, there was a lot of, we, we had two first rounders, two second rounders. They got Noah fan. Mm. I can't, I can't uh, remember. Dila, Shelby, Shelby Harris and oh, he, uh, Drew Locke are the other okay. two players that are going. Well, over. Drew Locke. Yes, of course. The uh, yeah. somehow an afterthought in all of this. Um, <laughs> who do you think won the trade? And we'll start with that one. And then I want to hear your thoughts on how you think Russell Wilson is going to fit in the very stacked quarterback group in the AFC West. Well, I think this is one of those rare trades where you trade a galactic superstar like Russell Wilson. And really, I think you have to put him near the top of the list of quarterbacks in the league, recognizable faces. Anytime you trade a player like that, Tanya, it's so difficult. You very, very seldom get fair value in return, not only for what the player gives you on the field, but also, let's face it, part of the trade is the marketability, the ability to be in contention, being able to sell Wilson jerseys in Denver. That's a huge part of what goes into these discussions. But Seattle did a great job, I think, of getting some fixed backs, getting some players, freeing up some space, allowing them the uh, wiggle room that they're going to need now to be able to rebuild their franchise. So in that regard, I don't look at Seattle coming out of this as terribly as a lot of people do. I've seen a lot of analysts come you know, down very hard on the Seattle Seahawks. Look, bottom line, if you're asking who won the trade outright as of this moment, you have to go with the Denver Broncos. I mean, they got Russell Wilson in there without having to mortgage the future of the franchise in terms of players on the field to do it. This is a win-win for Denver, so it's a very good move for them. Uh, But I think in subsequent years, you're going to start to see that maybe the move that uh, the Seattle Seahawks made wasn't terrible. It might not have been the worst return on investment that they could have gotten for Russell. So, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, Seattle is back to the drawing board now. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward in 2022. Is this going to be a flat-out rebuilding year? Do they try to rebuild on the fly and maybe backfill some of these positions be interesting to see how they approach uh, the quarterback position. Is Drew Locke going to be the answer in 2022, or do they have something else in mind? A lot of people are thinking that it might be the latter as opposed to the former. So keep a sharp eye peeled on that one. But when you look at what Russell Wilson does to this Denver Broncos team, it automatically makes them a contender. You pair him now with a runner like Melvin Gordon, who has the ability to hit the holes. He's got the experience and the ability to be able to pace that running game but also what it does for the passing game and guys like Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Albert Okwegbunum who now is going to take on that lead tight end role this is a big moment for uh, the Denver Broncos offense and it opens things up in a way that this team hasn't seen in quite some time yeah I mean I you have to you look at a player like Cortland Sutton and Mm. what what Russ did for Tyler Lockett Right. He can do for a player like Cortland Sutton, obviously new head coach there, Nathaniel Hackett. He is, he comes from, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay. We, uh, mm-hmm. we had reasons to believe maybe Aaron Rodgers would end up there. Uh, yeah. his, his big announcement really sort of crashed and burned after Russell Wilson stole his thunder. <laughs> Can't say I hated to watch it. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett and what they do in Green Bay is a little bit different from what Russ is, you know, Russ likes to play the way Russ likes to play. And so right. it'll be interesting to see how they mesh, because if they're able to 
if they're able to blend what they do well, and if Russ can still still use some of his mobility, we know that he is somebody who really takes care of his body, a la Tom Brady. Right. If there's anybody in the league that does as much to try to take care of themselves as Tom Brady did, it is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson so, right. um, you know, while they're, while the mobility is always going to get a little bit more difficult as time goes on, maybe having an offensive line would help, you know, like some of the things mm-hmm. that he was missing uh, in, especially his relationship to his head coach and offensive coordinator, and then having a little bit more protection. I mean, that is a team that is pretty well-rounded. Like you said, Mm -hmm. considering how much they had to give up in picks, they didn't have to give up too much elsewhere. And, you know, I'm really surprised they didn't have to give up Patrick Sertan. Um, That that was a huge ability for the, for the Broncos to be able to keep them. Like they do sort of look like a team that can compete in that division. And everybody's talking about the AFC West right now. The AFC West is real it's like the premier uh division in the AFC was already had uh, stacked with quarterbacks now we've got Russell Wilson in the mix so you look at that he's already coming from a pretty stacked division so this isn't a huge I don't know why people are freaking out about it. it's like why would you go there you know Uh, he was already coming from a division where they were the Seahawks were clearly the the least talented least equipped team so he's actually improved his status within division, even though that is an incredibly difficult spot. Uh, when you look at the, the layout right now, you've got Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Uh, you've got, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will be always the favorites. And mm-hmm. now we've got a potentially up and coming situation with the Raiders who slipped into the playoffs and, Derek Carr is a great quarterback of another guy who gives, he gives me uh, Matt Stafford vibes. Like I think he's better than he's been able to be on the Raiders. A lot of times now they've got Josh McDaniels. There's a, there's, mm-hmm. that's a very interesting spot. Do very you much. see a potential for Russell Wilson and the Broncos in their first year together with a head, new head coach to be able to break through in that division and make the playoffs? I think there's a shot. I mean, you look at the way this team is constituted, and I love the way they're constituted both offensively and defensively. And in 2022, you heard a lot of people, especially midseason, when Denver was starting to put together a couple of wins, that this may be a team that is on the cusp of playoff contention right then and there. And that's with Drew Locke at quarterback. And look, there's no disrespect intended toward Drew Locke. I think Drew was the kind of guy that did the best he could with the situation that he had. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, I think even Drew would probably tell you that going with Russell Wilson over himself is an upgrade in any at all uh, you know avenues. So if they're going to try to make the playoffs, it's going to have to be a very big buy-in and a very big contribution, not just on the field, but also in the locker room as a mentor for Russell Wilson. This is going to be probably his most important season to date, even though you know he's got a Super Bowl under his belt and there are all kinds of accolades that he's been given. This, I think, is really going to test his mettle. Is he going to be able to come into a new team, a new situation, a new head coach, and take a, a team with talent on both sides of the ball? I know we're talking a lot about offense, but that's a defensive uh, uh, you know, unit in Denver that is very talented. You mentioned Pat Sertain, one of the best young corners in the league. He has the potential to be one of the top corners, if not already, uh, in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the NFL. So this is going to be a very interesting season for Russell to come in. If they can get if he can get these guys to buy in and they buy in around him, 
then yeah, I think this team has the ability to contend. Kansas City is going to be right there. Los Angeles, again, is going to be there because of Justin Herbert. You mentioned Las Vegas with Derek Carr and now Josh McDaniels in the mix. That AFC West is going to be a lot of fun to watch with these two teams facing each other twice a year each you know, week. I mean, you're going to get these matchups that are just going to be epic matchups back and forth. Uh, that division is going to be must-see TV when it comes to the 2022 NFL season. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of primetime games, uh, and it's going to be that's going to work out well for me out here on the on the West Coast. I'll get a lot of those <laughs> scheduled in, even when they're not in primetime. Um, we will have a lot of those matchups. I do think that there is something to be said about the sort of this is a macrocosmic sort of look at how the NFL is operating the. Broncos were a team that were sort of mm -hmm. like there without the quarterback needed a little switch up at head coach needed to get a little bit younger, a little bit fresher, a little bit more offensive. Mm -hmm. Right. And the Seahawks are a team that has really mismanaged themselves. They, you mm -hmm. know, blew it with the Jamal Adams trade. They right. have ha had a real difficulty figuring out an offense that works for Russell Wilson. There has been yep. inter inner turmoil there. Um, they have not drafted well, uh, since the early days, since the Legion of Boom days, and mm. their mistakes led them to this point. You can't, there, there is a very interesting dichotomy here because what they did to get something back for Russell Wilson to set themselves up for a rebuild, it's in the, in the immediate view, it's, it looks crazy. This is the modern right. NFL. How do you get rid of a franchise quarterback? But if you've already screwed it up, when do you pull the plug? When do you say, this is not going to work. We cannot compete in a division with the Rams and the 49ers and potentially mm -hmm. the an, a up and coming Cardinals team that obviously, right. you know, underachieved this year. Oh yeah. How do we, mm -hmm. if you're at that point, when do you pull the plug? And we saw, right. you know, obviously the 40, the, the Green Bay Packers are in a different spot with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I understand that's a difficult thing to walk away from, but you're, it will be fun to watch how this works out for the Seahawks because this could be the, the thing that sort of upends the idea mm. that you don't trade a true franchise quarterback in their prime. So I'm excited right. to see how that plays out, um, especially because there are teams like the Broncos who are capable of putting that type of player into a position to succeed right away and not right. giving up everything that they have, you know, I mean, listen, the Rams have screwed everything up, right? Picks don't matter anymore. Right? <laughs> That's it. Just, we're yep. all just throwing them away these days. Um, speaking of quarterbacks moving around, you actually <laughs> broke this news to me right before we got on the record. Uh, Carson Wentz traded to the Washington mm -hmm. commanders this is a really big deal as well. We knew that this yeah. was a possibility. We know the commanders were looking at Russell Wilson uh, They were on the hunt and uh, Carson Wentz just seems to be the guy that no one's willing to give up on. I'm not quite sure what he's done to earn so much love, mm. but <laughs> I mean, you know, pure talent aside and all of that stuff, it's just the, the resume there is it's interesting. I do think that the, that the commanders are a team that might be in a good spot only because their division is bizarre. So you never know. You just get one, you get one of those good Carson Wentz stretches and you end up winning the division. Um, oh. But how do we feel about this? Because not only does that mean that, uh, that, you know, the, the NFC East now has Carson Wentz back in the mix, 
but that means the Indianapolis Colts are in a very, very good spot cap wise. You had, you read me the number on what they freed up. I don't know if you have that in front of you, but they are in a very good spot now to set themselves up. What do you think the plan is now for the Indianapolis Colts? Because that affects our dear beloved Patriots, uh, just as the Broncos trade did, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, this is an AFC situation. What's happening now? Where do we think the Colts are going to go with their quarterback? Uh, that's the million dollar question. 70 and a half million uh, approximately is what the Colts are going to have in available cap space. That puts them by far at the top of the league. Uh, and when you look at now what they're going to do, obviously they're going to be looking for an answer at quarterback uh, with Carson now jettison gone to the Washington commanders. Now they're going to be looking for a cornerback and look, Chris Ballard kind of, uh, you know, tipped his hand about this last, or I should say a couple of months ago now in January, when he said, I'm tired of band-aiding the quarterback situation after Andrew Luck moved on. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we find someone that's going to be here for the long haul. We want to find someone who's bought into this team, and we want to find someone that's going to be able to lead us down the stretch. He was very diplomatic in saying that he believed Carson was that guy. But when you make a public statement like that, Tanya, you're making more than just a blanket statement. I think it was almost a challenge to Carson Wentz in a little bit of a way, or maybe they were seeing the handwriting on the wall, reading the tea leaves and saying to themselves, this is our opportunity now to move on. Uh, what Carson does with the commanders is definitely interesting because like you said, all it needs is that one little run in a division that really I think is wide open when you look at the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Of course, you know, the Cowboys had a good season. They always falter a little bit down the stretch, sputtering into the playoffs. Washington has a, still has a very strong defense and they can definitely contend. But with the Colts now, this is going to be interesting. Uh, do they throw a lot of money at a potential free agent? Well, the free agent crop, when it comes to quarterbacks, really not that robust. So now you're looking at a trade. Who do you bring in? Well, we know of a certain quarterback out in the West Coast right now that is looking for new opportunities. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be the answer in uh, Indianapolis? It's a possibility. And he would fit in terms of the type of scheme that they like to run. So that could be interesting. The wild card in all this, and I hate to you know mention the name without really knowing what's going to happen legally with these ramifications, is Deshaun Watson. I mean, at this point, you clear that type of space for what you know you're going to need for a quarterback of his caliber on the field. If they're willing to take that that risk, or you know, if they know that there's a situation where this uh, you know legally is going to be wrapped up or at least put on ice for the time being. Do you take a shot? Do you go, uh, you know, for that? Or, you know, do they go all in with some of the quarterbacks in this draft, which again, it's a very thin draft right now for quarterbacks. So this is going to be the interesting part of what Indianapolis does, but you have to think that they're clearing cap space for a reason. And I think it's to find the guy that Chris Ballard was alluding to a couple of months ago in January, when he said he wanted to find someone for the long haul. Wentz had a decent season last year, but that two game sputter at the end of the year, sputtering into the playoffs, I think solidified what the Colts had thought all along, that it was really time to move on and find the guy that they believe is going to be their new franchise quarterback. Yeah, there's something, you know, there's something to be said. Carson Wentz is one of those guys where you can look at the season statistically and say, hey, it was, it was okay. You know, he did pretty, he mm-hmm. did okay, all things considered. But the eye test will tell you that there is a lot missing from his ability down mm-hmm. the stretch in games, down the stretch in seasons. And do you trust him in a playoff situation when you're a team like the Colts that's built itself so tremendously? 
Uh, and then, you know, we, we did, we've brought up Jimmy Garoppolo. He is really the obvious one outside of Deshaun Watson that anybody could be looking at right now as the chips begin to fall into place. And to me, Jimmy Garoppolo is a bit of a lateral move from Carson Wentz. I'm not sure mm -hmm. that, as you said, Chris Ballard, if he is, if they are really looking to shore up their future, do you go to somebody who is made of glass? And like, you know, mm -hmm. I do believe Obviously, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play in a Super Bowl. We'd be crazy to say that he's not capable of taking a team as talented as the Colts back into a deep playoff run. But again, does he work in this system? He has been utilized pretty brilliantly by Kyle Shanahan. And I like mm -hmm. Frank Reich, but I'm not 100% sure that that's the same outcome in Indianapolis. And again, he gets hurt and you're back at square one. And it's just right. so... The Deshaun Watson thing is really interesting. They, if, if things don't develop, like you said, on the legal front, I mean, he's got it. He's going to get back playing football. I mean, they, they can't hold this out forever. It's, we just know right. how the NFL works. Would I like this to be more clear? Of course, everybody knows where I stand on this. Everybody has made mm -hmm. it clear where they stand on this, but purely football speaking, he is the guy, you know, he is mm -hmm. the guy. The question is on what planet <laughs> Do the Texans let him go to the Colts? I just, yeah. it's, but we, we're talking about the Texans here. We're talking about the Texans. Yeah. These, those people down there, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing. If any team was going to let a player like Deshaun Watson go to a division rival, it'd be mm -hmm. the Texans. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing. And it is scary to think about for the Patriots. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds with the best coverage in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. I've been thinking about the Patriots yeah. a lot in the last few days. Uh, and so I'm excited to transition into this because where things are at with Mac Jones is it's so funny. Everybody knows the journey I went on last season with Mac Jones from um, a flippant tweet about I how I hoped he would lose the, get his ass kicked in training camp to, to Cam Newton, um, which just threw everybody under the bus. It was, you know, I was like, oh, I hope he loses out to Cam Newton. This was like three minutes after he was drafted, hadn't thought about it, thought I was being fun and it's haunted me forever. Um, to going through the, uh, you know, the whole offseason preseason and then into him being a starter. And uh, he was great last year as a rookie, you know, really couldn't have asked for much more from the guy. Um, and where ever, I think everybody is really optimistic about getting to see him in a sophomore year and what that jump mm -hmm. could look like uh, outside of all of that. When you look at the state of the quarterback situation right now for teams who need quarterbacks. You're either spending money to bring in Russell Wilson, giving up picks, everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're, you're ending up with Drew Locke and maybe looking toward the draft. 
you're, you're taking a shot on Carson Wentz. I mean, there's not a ton of options here mm-hmm. for teams who are quarterback needy. And part of me is starting to feel like the Patriots got a little bailed out when Tom Brady left when he did, because mm-hmm. were they in a situation right now where Tom Brady had retired this year, they would not have Mac Jones. Right. <laughs> and because it's, it's just, they wouldn't have spent that, that first round pick on, on Mac at that point. So although if they had, that would have been amazing. I just don't think that they would have, and they wouldn't have had it, but either way, they wouldn't have been in the position unless they'd traded up to do that. And we might be in a totally different situation right now. The Patriots are in an enviable position to have a good young quarterback with potential. Um, He got a year under his belt with Josh McDaniels and, you know, got to learn from him who is a, he's a great quarterback guy. I'm glad he got to have that year with him. Now, where do we go? Because they have this great, they're in this great position at the hardest position in all sports to find. The Patriots are set up for potential success long-term, but the coaching staff has experienced a ton of turnover with Josh McDaniels leaving, taking the GM with them. All of this has, has really, we've caught, saw a lot, saw a lot of turnover in the coaching right. staff. Uh, where, what are you hearing about what the Patriots plans are for the coaching staff in general, but on both sides of the ball? And, um, how do you think it will affect Mac Jones in his sophomore year? Is this a good thing, uh, an ability to help him evolve and, and, and continue to push himself, or is this going to interrupt his growth? It has the potential to interrupt his growth. And I know Patriots fans don't want to hear that, but it does. When you take away the continuity that a rookie quarterback develops with an offensive coordinator, especially one as adept as Josh McDaniels at being able to reach young quarterbacks, provide them with stability, provide them, put them in the right situation in order for them to succeed, you run the risk of derailing that a little bit. And I think that's something that Patriots fans are going to have to watch for. That's something we're definitely going to be watching for you, um, you know, Tanya, myself, uh, all of the uh, the beat writers in attendance for uh, a training camp is to see how Mac is progressing, to see what types of adjustments that he's made. We're hearing from the Patriots camp that Joe Judge is going to be taking a little bit more of a heavier approach when it comes to the quarterbacks. Uh, Nick Cayley, the tight ends coach, is probably going to be a little bit more intricately involved in those types of uh, um, uh, you know roles. And we're also hearing that Bill Belichick is going to definitely be uh, very much hands-on when it comes to this offense at the quarterback position. So with those three minds, as long as Belichick is in the room, you're pretty well assured that this kid is going to be in good hands. But again, If you don't have that clear-cut offensive coordinator, is that going to throw Mac off a little bit? I think Mac is an intuitive enough quarterback to be able to play through that. So I don't expect much of a regression. But if it is there, I don't want Patriots fans to be completely shocked by it because it is something that can derail a young quarterback. And we've seen this happen in the past where – you know, players have good seasons under different coordinators. And then for some reason, it just doesn't click well. People forget that when Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien hooked up for the first year, there were some communication issues. We saw them jawing at each other on the sidelines, things of that nature. It takes a little bit of time to develop some of that synergy. Now, Bill O'Brien is someone that had been linked to the New England Patriots throughout much of the offseason. He's down in Alabama. I'm not completely sure, to be honest with you, Tanya, that the door is completely closed on that. At this point, I would say it's unlikely, but not impossible. If Bill O'Brien does come over from Alabama, all of a sudden you're looking at someone that knows the Alabama system. He knows Mac Jones' capabilities. That would be a hand-in-glove fit, and that could allow him to go on to continue that type of a relationship with an OC. 
Uh, it may not happen this year. It may happen in 2023. But at some point, it makes so much sense for Bill O'Brien to come back up to uh, New England and be that calming presence that Mac Jones needs. But ultimately, it's going to depend on what he does on the field. And according to a picture that was taken just a couple of weeks ago, Mac might be getting some help at the quarterback position. Quarterback guru Tom House was shown, uh, you know, taking the picture with Mac. There's some rumor going around that maybe these two might have worked together in the offseason. I don't have any confirmation on that, but it's clear that Mac is trying to put in the work to be able to build on the season that he had last year. If he continues to progress, Patriots will be just fine at the quarterback position. Yeah, I would I would have loved to see Bill O'Brien back this season. Uh, so obviously it's still not completely off the table, but I do, especially with the two tight ends on the team and mm-hmm. what he and what he has done in the past with that offense. Uh, people forget how good those offenses were. They were right. really, really good. Uh, Tom Brady wasn't always so pleased with uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> O'Brien, but they, you know, they figured it out. Um, exactly. And and Bill's and coming from Alabama and he obviously has worked in college football for a while now, young quarterbacks, right. developing guys. That's a, that's a spot. I don't think it's easy for anybody to come in and right. OC Tom Brady after he had his mm. relationship <laughs> with Josh McDaniels. So it's, that's not Bill O'Brien's fault. Um, nor is it Brady's, but uh, I, w- I definitely, I, I worry too, that there's going to be a little bit of an interruption to that um, cohesiveness if Bill is trying mm-hmm. to fill holes and patch them with putty rather than find a permanent solution at the offensive right. coordinator position. Um, that's tough. And Bill will do that sometimes. And it was great to do that when he had Tom Brady. I'm not sure it's great for somebody like Mac Jones, who still needs a lot to, to he needs a lot to work on. You know, there's still mm-hmm. there's a there's a ton to still develop there. And that's oh, a good yeah. thing. Um I do think that going out and getting a receiver is really important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they still do, are not there on that position, quite frankly. Um, love Kendrick Bourne, obviously like super happy with what they were able to do last season, but they also need to add to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley was on the table. That is now off the table. Chris <laughs> Godwin has been franchise tagged by the Buccaneers. Some of the names that have been thrown out there. Um, Tyler Lockett may now be on the market. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've never seen Tyler Lockett play with anybody, but one of the most unique quarterbacks in the league. So that's tough. That's kind of a coin flip, but Hey, crazier things have happened. So I'd like to see some progression on that front on the defensive side of the ball. What are you hearing about what their plans are uh, for the defensive coordinator kind of role that slot? Are they going to be making moves changes? I think a lot of people are really sick of seeing Steve Belichick on the headset are they going to continue in that in that vein? Because that's what I'm hearing is that that Steve's not getting um, demoted quite yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing the same things that you're hearing. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement on the defensive side of the ball in terms of coaching. I think Bill Belichick realizes that um, Gerard Mayo coming back for this season is definitely a good thing for his defense. He's a player, or I should say, he's an ex-player that players on the field right now will absolutely buy into. They listen to him. He has a way of captivating a room and he has a way of getting guys to be able to get on the same page. That's an invaluable part of what the Patriots are going to need this year, especially if their defense is going to look a lot different than it did in 2021. That being said, I don't think they're ready to demote Steve Belichick just yet. I know a lot of fans are not happy about that. I hear the word nepotism thrown around all over the place. But look, bottom line, Bill is always going to do what he feels is in the best interest of the football team. That is his charge as head coach. 
de facto general manager, really the head of football operations. He knows that he needs to be that stabilizing force. And if Steve wasn't up to the challenge or he didn't feel he was, I don't believe he'd be in that position. Are there, is there a lot of room for him to improve in his job? Absolutely. And I don't think anybody would argue that point, including Steve and maybe even Bill himself. But ultimately, you're going to see a little bit more of the same. To me, where the changes are going to come in with the Patriots, not so much on the defensive play calling side, but I think it's going to be personnel. I think it's going to be getting younger, getting quicker at the linebacker position. I think we're probably in for a reboot at the cornerback position and maybe even adding a piece in the interior to help shore up the run defense, which looked a little suspect uh, at times last year. They thought they had that fixed in last season's offseason, but unfortunately it just didn't work out that way for a lot of different reasons. I am, you know, speaking of the cornerback position, obviously JC Jackson is hitting free agency and they've decided not to franchise tag him. This is a, this is a guy who is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, PFF has him rated as the fifth best coverage quarterback, cornerback in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. He is obviously one of their best defensive players and Mm -hmm. he has been for the last few years. Uh, after seeing what they were able to do when they did decide to actually pay Stefan Gilmore and they brought him in and said they were going to commit at that position. And, you know, they got lucky with Malcolm Butler for a few years. They bring in Stefan Gilmore. They again, um, bring up yet another young player like JC Jackson, who ends up being one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I always have the same conversation with myself every single time this happens, which is pay the man pay the man and keep him on the team. This is a young sort of half rebuilt team that is in Mm -hmm. playoff contention that made the playoffs last year. Why are you screwing around? And then the other half, the angel on my shoulder says, how many times does Bill Belichick have to rebuild this secondary successfully before you trust him? So where are you at with that? Are you the angel who wants to trust Bill Belichick because he's done this so many times? Or are you with the devil on the other shoulder saying, pay the man, you're, you're tempting fate here and you need a solid defense with a quarterback this young. <laughs> I'm going to anger some people when I say this. I'm a little more devil than I am angel right now. By not by, by a lot, I will say that there is still a lot of trust that I do have in Bill Belichick to be able to find the answers in the secondary, simply like you said, Tanya, because he's done it so many times. It's hard to doubt the track record, but you're talking about a 26-year-old player that is coming into his prime. He's entering his prime right now. He may be in it a little bit, but he's in the beginning stages of it. This is not a player that is on the wrong side of 30, which in a lot of ways is when Bill Belichick has chosen to maybe move on from some of these players that have been a typical franchise corner like a Ty Law or a Darrell Revis for a year or a Stefan Gilmore like we just saw recently. Those were issues where you wanted to go ahead and see what was in your arsenal before your star player starts to break down a little bit. There are exceptions to that rule. I know, you know, I moved on from Ellis Hobbs pretty quickly. That Sante Samuel had his issues about wanting to be paid and whatnot. But ultimately with JC Jackson, you're looking at a player that is an incredible ball hawking type quarterback, a cornerback. Um, he has a nose for the football. He's able to get in. Not only is he, uh, you know, an interception machine, but he's also a passes defense machine, led the league in that area this year. The one thing that concerned me about JC, and maybe this was part of the Patriots' plans, maybe it wasn't, maybe it did all come down to finances, but quarterbacks didn't seem that they were very uh, scared to throw in his direction. When you see a cornerback 
compiling an awful lot of interceptions, an awful lot of passes defense, that means that they're in on the action more often than not. Now, a lot of times that is because they're covering their opponent's top option, but also it does show that the cornerback is maybe, uh, you know, a little bit vulnerable in terms of what the quarterback wants to do with his receiver. So is that going to end up being the reason that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots chose not to franchise tag J.C. Jackson? It's a slippery slope. If we discover that in subsequent, uh, you know, teams, wherever he happens to be. And by the way, folks, it's not completely out of the question that J.C. ends up back in New England. I've been asked that question several times, and there is still a chance. These two sides don't have acrimony right now. If you if you talk to J.C.'s camp, and I know our good friend Phil Perry talked to him just a couple of days ago, you know, outlined his thoughts. Whenever J.C. speaks about the Patriots, it's never with any ill will. It's never with any type of contempt. Uh, I know the comments that he made a few days ago about I, they're acting like they don't love me or things of that nature. I think we're taking a little bit out of context. I think J.C. was looking more for you know, I helped keep this team afloat when Stefan Gilmore left. And I just want to be acknowledged in that fashion. Yeah. I don't think he looked yeah. at it as he was completely disrespected by the Patriots. I think he's just looking at it like, what do I have to do in order to be able to get to that level? Um, and the Patriots definitely have an, a great amount of affinity for him as well. I just think once he hits the open market, he's going to get priced out of the Patriots range very quickly. Uh, he's right. mentioned Jalen Ramsey money, 20 per year. Like that might be a little lofty, but he's going to be hovering around in that range. There are teams out there with a lot of cap space, with a need at the position, and they're going to be all too happy to take a guy like J.C. Jackson off their hands. So New England right now is at a crossroads when it comes to the secondary, Tanya. Yeah. You know, Jalen Ramsey wasn't J this Jalen Ramsey when he was coming up, and he was he was very reminiscent of a J.C. Jackson. He was right. somebody who, like you said, quarterbacks would quarterbacks would throw at because you know, mm -hmm. and then he would compile those fancy stats. Um, but he ended up being who he thought he was. And I, you know, I did a little bit of a comparison between those two players. And the biggest thing I noticed was that J.C. Jackson had taken about three hundred snaps fewer than Jalen Ramsey mm. this season. And that was interesting to me because it's not like JC Jackson had uh, had competition at the position this season. I mean, he mm. was their number one cor cornerback. Um, so I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a scheme thing that makes Bill Belichick decide he doesn't want to pay that kind of money. Um, and we know he's just very rarely going to do, you know, market setting uh, deals for players. Um, we also have seen plenty of times, you know, not, mm -hmm. not a ton, but there's been plenty of times where players have had a little bit of an acrimonious offseason with the Patriots and ended up re-signing. Um, we saw right. what happened with Fence Wolfork and, we, and you know, Logan Mankins back when Logan they were Mankins, negotiating yep. their um, contracts. And so the fact that JC, all he, you know, all he said was, you know, I want to be appreciated is like pretty mild compared to even those negotiations. Right. So yep. I'm not worried about that too. If there were, if there's hope, there's hope. Um, but it is a little concerning that uh, that we know how precious that position can be on the open market. So we will see what happens. I do tend to agree with you that this is a situation where I would like to just see the guy get paid and stay on this team, especially considering yeah. how important that defense is and always has been to the Patriots mm -hmm. success. They are not. Yeah. No real championship team is without a, like a really solid defense. And this is Bill Belichick. Right. He is a defensive coach at the end of the day. I, you know, this gives me very Chandler Jones, you know, it gives mm -hmm. me very like, why, what are we doing here? Like yeah. it, the Patriots could have been using Chandler Jones for the last, you know, however many seasons, five seasons, six, however long it's been. 
And this, it, it gives me those vibes. Every time I see, I see a player, like, as you said, at this age, get traded away in their prime or get, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. get left to, you know, the open market or get traded away or whatever else. It, right. it bugs me a tiny bit. We're not talking about somebody who is, you know, maybe 11th or 12th or 13th, even at their position. This is a top five, top seven cornerback at the worst, at your, right. at the worst in the league. Um, mm-hmm. So regardless of what the, his weaknesses may be or why <laughs> Bill Belichick may be scheming him a little bit different than, let's say a Jalen Ramsey or something else. I do think that it would be nice if they somehow were able to snatch that back. Um, I think, you know, we've hit on all the big stuff we have. I'm not going to let you go before I ask you the obvious question that I'm going to ask you in March, by the way, I'm going to make you say in March, um, whether or not you think that the Patriots will improve on their record from last season do you see this team being able to build themselves into more than 10 wins in 2022? I think the nucleus is there for them to be able to do it. As long as you have Bill Belichick on the bench, I don't discount anything that this team can do with Mac Jones under center. Again, I feel they have the right guy. This is the right steward to lead this team. He's still the best quarterback for them in terms of leading that timing based, uh, you know, vertical route offense, uh, getting the ball to where it needs to be and allowing his receivers to get yards after the catch. But a lot of it is going to determine as to the type of personnel that they build around Mac and they build on both sides of the ball. Patriots have some big time question marks, both on offense and on defense. Like you, Tanya, I would love to see them be able to add to the receiving core. I think that's a must. They need that. Uh, They also need some depth at uh, um, offensive line. I think that's important as well. Uh, You want to be able to utilize your weapons there well to be able to protect Mac Jones Um, on the opposite side of the ball and on defense. They definitely need to get younger and quicker at the linebacker position in the edge rush. They were just a step too slow last year. Christian Barmore had some knee injuries at the end of the year. That limited what Matt Judon is able to do, where if Christian is taking on the double team and he's drawing two guys off of their uh, offensive line, all of a sudden Matt Judon's freed up and he pins his ears back, gets after the quarterback as well as anybody. But when you have guys that are around him that are quick and strong enough to be able to take off a little bit of pressure there, it changes the complexity of your uh, defense. And on the secondary, if Jackson is going to be gone, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to stop gap it? Are they going to try to use the front seven to take pressure off the secondary? Where in you know the last couple of years, they've kind of done it the other way around. I really think there's still an awful lot of question marks. But right now, pinning me down in March, I say they do improve because I think they have the nucleus to get there. But they're facing some stiff competition in the AFC. It's not going to get any easier than it was this year. It's only going to get tougher. Well, I will say this. I agree with you. I, I think they're going to have 11 wins. I'm going to go out there and say, I think this is an 11 win team. And I think it'll be enough to get them into into the playoff, you know, race at the end of the, at the end of the year, I'm a little scared of what happens with the Colts and the Broncos. And if there's going to be three or four teams that come out of the AFC West and the friggin' playoffs, but um, <laughs> the Dolphins did them a massive favor by screwing everything up down there and firing Brian Flores. Cause he was good for beating them at least once a season every year. So if you mm-hmm. just take that extra win, they gain from taking Brian Flores out of Miami, because weird ass Mike McDaniels, it doesn't scare me nearly as much as Brian Flores did. Uh, you know, there's their win. There's their win right there. It's 11 wins. Yep. I did the math. Boom. You know, nice and easy. 
Uh, well, this is awesome. I feel really, I feel excited about the season upcoming. I'm excited to see there's just so many answers to still be had for the Patriots, lots of holes to fill. And uh, once again, we find ourselves on, on the precipice of something, uh, something new, you know, no Josh McDaniels. Um, it's, it feel it's giving a very similar vibe to last season. Like, what are we going to be looking at yeah. now? We're entering the third off season without Tom Brady. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. Thank you for joining me and offering your insight. I feel like I learned pleasure. a lot um, and I, and I'm, I'm feeling uh, optimistic, but I also love that you get down in the muck with me sometimes. And you tell me just, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you make me feel better about some of my pessimism about some of this stuff. And it's not even necessarily pessimism, but just realism about what right. the team is facing moving forward. So I hope that all the listeners appreciate that too, because you know, we're not Felger over here. We're not screaming at you, but we're, we're not sunshine <laughs> and roses all the time too. We'll hit you with right. what's real. It's we're trying to give it to you straight. You know, that's Virtue what we do. lies right? in the middle, Tanya. <laughs> it always about. lies in the middle. Yeah. You actually pull me back to the middle. You actually help pull me back to the middle. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for joining me guys. Make sure you're listening to locked on Patriots. Um, Mike is, he's just on there every day, giving you everything you need to know. It's there's, if, if you're not listening to Lockdown Patriots, you don't know what's going on with the Patriots. That is fact. <laughs> you're not getting all the info you need. He always has the best guests on super fun. Um, they, Mike is a guy who can talk to anybody and just bring them, um, into the conversation really easily. So you're never going to get a bad episode. So make sure you're tuning in and you're following him on Twitter Remind everybody about where they can find you elsewhere and on the social medias. Absolutely. And Tanya, thank you for the, uh, the compliments. I really appreciate it. Uh, you are part of the Locked On family, and uh, we look forward to having you back on. Now we're available on YouTube, folks. So wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, Locked On Patriots is free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Patriots. You can find all of my written work, including positional previews right now, free agency rankings uh, as we head into the legal tampering period uh, beginning on Monday. And then, of course, the league year beginning on Wednesday. So a lot of content there on Patriot Maven of Sports Illustrated at Patriot Maven SI on Twitter. And if you want to follow me personally, I'm on the Bird app as well at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Mike, for joining me. I'm super excited to chat and everybody else. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening, wherever you listen to podcasts, I always appreciate you. It's nice to be back. I will be back with you next week, probably just me, but you never know. You never know when I could be throwing a guest at you. This was so fun that maybe, maybe I'll have someone else on next week so I can continue to sort of just chat with people this has been really fun thank you mike for getting me back into football after my little hiatus and i will talk to everyone soon bye